So glad to be with you this morning. Um, we're here in the Gospel of Luke. I'm uh, given the privilege of preaching on the first four verses of Luke chapter 21. And I, I have this question at the beginning of my sermon. It says, what does it mean to completely trust in God? Because as we read through each of the 66 books and letters written for us in the Bible, this is my study Bible, so it's like monstrous. Tom said, you know, there are smaller Bibles that you can bring up as uh, examples. I, I know that. But in here, as we read and study the Word of God, just as Kyle said last week, the Bible enfolds on itself. And so we are given example after example after example of how God seemingly provides for those He loves in difficult and impossible circumstances. And so as we read this, our faith and trusting God also grows. It increases over time as we experience him personally through the circumstances of life. We find out that God is a generous God. He is a benevolent God, a God who cares about each and every one of us, and he knows what we need. And I'm going to put this down now because it takes up a, a amassed amount of space on my little stand here. And yet as we look at the needs of the world... It is confusing for many to see the starving and needy and poor among us. Poverty affects many aspects of life, including not being able to have access to food and shelter and health care and education and job security. Poverty affects over half of the world's population. And so the response to this fact can be confusion, at times anger, and doubt that what I just said about God is true. Many people question if there's such a great and wonderful and loving God, why are so many starving and living in poverty? And well, it's simple. The world is full of starving and impoverished people because the people of this world that have do not care enough about their brothers and sisters who don't have to sacrifice their own comfort to care for them and share and so as we heard, even in this vacation Bible school, we are teaching our children that God cares and provides for us, and we are to do the same. That is an important message. And in the midst of the many stories of how God provides miraculously in difficult circumstances, he most often makes a way to provide through people. In fact, he commands us, the ones created in his image, to look after those who are less fortunate, those right next to us and those far away, everyone who has needs. And if we take a moment and think about who in God's word does God say we should help out, there are a number of people that he points out that we are to help. It includes the foreigner, the orphan, the fatherless, the weak, the poor, the needy, the widow, your brother, your sister, your mother, your father, and your neighbor. Does that leave anybody out? It doesn't. And I want to add that the help we are commanded to give is not just physical. It encompasses supporting others emotionally. For example, 
We want to be next to those who suffer loss of a loved one. And so in this time, we recognize that there's someone hurting in the body. And so God expects that we would act out his love towards those who are suffering emotionally. There are others that suffer mentally, by, and we are called to support those individuals through counseling and other supports when they are struggling with debilitating depression and anxiety. And of course, spiritually, we're commanded to pray for and with others and to tell others about the peace and comfort we've received from our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Impossible situations drive us to ask God tough questions, especially when there's little to nothing that we can do in these situations because these situations expose our limitations. The more I recognize that I have little control over the many things in my life, the more I understand how much I need Jesus and others who depend on Jesus in my life. I need God and others there to support my physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual needs. But that is the beauty of God's plan. God expects you and I to worship him by helping one another to pick up the slack and support and help those in need, most especially the vulnerable. And today I've been asked to give a message on the first four verses found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 21. And today we're going to look at a very short lesson from Jesus on what a powerful faith and trust in God looks like. From the position of a person who is seen as one of the most vulnerable and dependent in society, a poor widow. In our lesson today, Jesus sees many rich people giving their offerings in the treasury, which is a place where they would set up boxes for offerings that have these, these little horns on top, and the people would come in as part of their worship, and they would give their offerings to the temple. And so Jesus is teaching in this space. And he observes a woman giving her offering. And it is at this moment that Jesus takes the opportunity to highlight the actions of this woman, described to us as a poor widow for his disciples. He wants them to understand what the meaning is behind her offering. And what he sees is something remarkable that everyone else seems to miss. And so if you're a disciple of Jesus, this should be important for you today. So if you've brought your Bibles, please open them up. We're going to read the text. Please follow along with me. The story of the widow's offering is found in two places in the gospel. In Mark chapter 12, verses 41 to 44. So you can write that in the margin. Oftentimes, like in my study Bible, it points to where else in the Bible does it say what it is that you're reading. And so that's important. And so we're going to start with Luke chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. Here it is. It says, Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow putting in two small copper coins. And he said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. And before we go any further, let's just pray for a second. Let's just, let's just ask the Lord to speak through his word that we just read. Father, thank you for your word. 
we invite you, Holy Spirit, to speak to our hearts. So oftentimes, Lord, we read things, we pass over them very quickly. We may not even understand them, but we continue on because, Lord, we don't understand. And so I pray for understanding. I pray that you would soften our hearts that we might hear what you have for us to hear personally this morning. And so we just give thanks that we can trust that you will speak. And we invite you in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want us to first note that Jesus does not stop them from giving to the temple. Even though only a few verses ago in chapter 20, at the end of chapter 20, he makes a strong point about how the men in charge are abusing widows by taking control of their assets and not properly caring for them. If you flick back to Luke chapter 20, verse 47, it says they, he's talking about the teachers of the law here, they devour widows' houses. And what this word devour implies is that those in charge are basically exploiting the weak and the helpless. The widow in this example represents those who are struggling. And Jesus makes a point of saying that if you think you're going to get away with mistreating the needy, think again. He finishes his statement by saying those who do this will be punished most severely. Unfortunately, wealth was seen as proof of God's approval in Jesus' day. So people that were wealthy were seen as blessed by God. And therefore, they're the most likely candidates to go to heaven. And so everybody wanted to look like they had it all together and they had God's blessing. And this is why the leaders were tempted to take advantage of these widows. They were stealing from them in order to get rich themselves. You see, widows were one of the most vulnerable people in the Jewish community in first century. In a society where men are dominant and privileged, women are very vulnerable. I think we really get that. We hear that a lot these days. Like other surrounding societies, Jewish culture at this time didn't allow women to speak for themselves. Instead, their male relatives possessed the legal authority to speak for them. Because widows had lost the male relative who served as their protector and provider, they were at particular risk of poverty, hunger, and separation from society. Those who were also without sons were at even greater risk because then the leaders were given authority over them, and some of the leaders were untrustworthy representatives. And Jesus points out just before he sees this poor widow, don't take advantage of those in need. So by not stopping the disciples from giving, he is saying, share. I heard that again and again in the teaching today. God expects that we will share. And if you're a disciple of the Lord, then this should be important to you to share the things that God has given you. We're not supposed to gather great amounts of wealth to serve ourselves. The reason we have is so that we can share with those who don't have. And if we are blessed with talent, you know, if we're good at something, like serving as care aides or nurses or doctors, uh, then serve well. If we are good at making inventions, then invent. <laughs> if we are good at creating wealth, then we are to create wealth and then share that wealth with other people. The same goes with sharing our knowledge and our time and the like. God expects that we use these gifts to glorify Him, meaning we use them to the fullest, but not just to take care of ourselves, but for the benefit of others. A disciple and follower of Jesus is expected to manage 
what we have been given wisely and selfishly. And so Jesus points to the rich people and this poor widow. But the point of the lesson is not comparing what they have. It's not about what you have, it's, it's what you do with what you have that matters. You see, here in this example, everyone is putting something in. No one is exempt from giving something, giving a gift, helping out. But that is where the similarities end. Jesus wants his disciples to see something more important than the material, more important than the amount. So I don't want you to get stuck on the money aspect. Jesus is always concerned with the spiritual development of his disciples. And he makes this connection to what is being offered here. And many may think to themselves that what Jesus is highlighting here is that everyone needs to share more because in kindergarten here in Western culture, we're taught that sharing is caring. I mean, for those of you who had kids at the right time, Barney, <laughs> we're talking like this all the time. Hoo-hoo, kids. It's time to share. Sharing is caring. Hoo-hoo. I watched a lot of Barney when my kids were growing up. That's my Barney impression. Thank you. And uh, maybe you've heard that before. It's important. But this lesson from Jesus is not about telling the, his disciples to give all of their money to the temple. What Jesus wants us to see through this example of the poor widow and her offering is her faith and complete trust in God. The widow doesn't say anything, but her actions are speaking loudly about what she believes about her faith, how she trusts in God's personal provision for her. Apparently, she knows something the rich don't. And remember what Jesus said earlier in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, verse 34. He says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so where is the widow, the poor widow's heart? Where do you think it is? Perhaps she was at the Sermon on the Mount with Jesus just earlier in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus said, Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor, nor barn, and yet God feeds them. And of how much more value are you than the birds? And these words of Jesus are more than just a good mantra. The words of God bring life and an eternal perspective that brings freedom and peace that transcends all understanding. But until God reveals it to you personally, the world's expectations to have and to keep will instead enslave and distract us from the best that God has to offer. And Jesus knows this, and so Jesus says, look at this faith. Look at this poor widow. He says, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. And Jesus is simply pointing out that she is not holding back. In fact, she put in all she had, and so Jesus is commending her. She's done something that the rich are unable to do. The rich heart seems to get caught up in the wanting and the having and the desiring, which is the opposite of caring and sharing. And Jesus is helping us see how important this really is. 
If we dig a little deeper here, we may even see that there seems to be a bit of a performance going on from the people who are wealthy. Jesus seems to be addressing the notion that a great performance of so-called sharing, giving from our excess, the part that we won't miss in front of others, can never earn us or anyone else for that matter a ticket into heaven. What I think he means here by pointing out the difference is that faking it has no value to God. And maybe you've heard that saying, fake it till you make it. Well, God sees right through it. God sees our hearts and he knows our hearts. And so when we are pretending to care about others, or we are only half-heartedly sharing, we're only fooling ourselves. And in fact, it's worse than that. We are robbing ourselves of a deeper and more meaningful relationship with God. And so this whole lesson is really not about money after all, is it? Sure, the lesson is in plain view of the offering area where people are giving their offerings. And Jesus is talking about money, but it is not about money at all. What does he see? She is so incredibly inspiring. She sees that the God we worship provides enough for everyone. And so if you really want to understand what this poor widow was thinking, it's going to take something far more than this world can offer. And so I wanted to share with you three tips, three poor widow tips for living a spiritual life. Because it's not complicated, but it is also not easy to do. The first tip for this poor widow, number one, let go. Let go of this world. Don't let what you have or don't have get in the way of a spirit-led life. What this means is that you don't let your circumstances get in the way of your generosity as you love others, as you care for others. And instead, share whatever you have, whatever you can, and let go of that. Just let go of feeling like you have to drive to get to have Number two is glorify God with everything you have been given. God has given you the blessings of life. Life is far more than money and things, far more than fancy vacations and material comforts. And so if we take time each day to praise and give thanks to God for what you do have, tell others how thankful you are for what you have, share and bless with others the blessings you have received, and watch and see how God will press down and overflow that blessing in your life. So we take everything. We let go of everything, but what we do have, we offer to God to be used for his purposes. And number three is she put it all in. Now the widow put everything she had to live on in. Putting it all in sounds like a gamble. That sounds like a gambler's move, right? I'm all in. But it's not a gamble with the Lord. 
It's not a gamble with God to put everything we have into our worship and love for him. I wonder if the people who saw this woman put everything in called her irresponsible. It's like she has nothing and then she put it all in. And yet Jesus calls our attention to her. She put in all she had to live on, but what she is showing us is so very important. What this means is that she is not relying on herself anymore to make it happen. She is not exhausting herself. She is not compromising her ethics and integrity to get ahead. She is not exposing others in her life to harm by her actions. Instead, she is allowing God to lead. She is willing to live on what God gives her. And she is generous. And she knows that God will continue to give her what she needs. She's not worried. Obviously not anxious. She is more at peace and has a deeper trust in God than I think many of us could relate to. What do you think? Is this poor widow a fool? Or has God led her to a place of faith that we should all be seeking? A special place of abundant life. Let's pray. Father God, here we are. <laughs> so much we heard today from so many different places of your word and from your people, from your children. Oh Lord, what a blessing. And it feels like there should be more. Should there be more, Lord? Should we, should we hear more or do we get it? Father, I pray for those who feel like they are being held hostage by this world. And I pray, Lord, that you would release my brothers and sisters here from the trap that material wealth is when in fact, Lord, we are called to simply worship you, to let go of this world and to seek your kingdom with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And so, Lord, when we see such a simple example of this widow, so vulnerable, and yet at such peace, I'm jealous, Father. I'm jealous of that that kind of relationship with you. And so, Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters that they would grow in their trust in you. And if there is someone here today who doesn't know you, Lord, may they call out to you and say, Jesus, that's the life I want. I want the life where, where I am just eyes on you, trust in you, walk with you, listen for your leading. And so if that's you today, you just simply call on the name of Jesus and say, Jesus, come. I don't want to be held hostage by things any longer. I simply want to live a spiritual life, a connection with you, Jesus. 
And so we stand here in silence. We sit here in silence. We seek you, Father. And we worship you with our spirit. Because everything else will fall away but your word, Lord. And so thank you for your word. And thank you for this time. Thank you for all of these examples of your love that you give us. In Jesus' name, amen.